What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mayalari. So in this episode, I'm going to give a breakdown of everything that's happened in baseball over the last few days, talk about a handful of teams that are starting to get hot at the right time and who's been playing the best in baseball as of late. I'll start off talking about Father's Day on Sunday. There were a good amount of comebacks in the MLB on Sunday. The Rangers were down 6 to nothing, heading into the bottom of the third inning against the Toronto Blue Jays. They ended up winning that game 11-7. to John Gray had a tough outing on the mound for the Rangers. He got the start, went two and a third innings, giving up six hits and six earned runs with two strikeouts and three walks. The Rangers' bullpen is what kept them in the game with their offense as well. The Rangers' bullpen gave up just one earned run in three hits in six and two-thirds innings of relief. Corey Seager was great in the game. He's an MVP candidate right now in the AL. Four for five on Sunday with a run scored, three RBIs and two doubles, hitting 363 and has a 1076 OPS on the year heading into yesterday. Ezekiel Duran went four for five in that game with three runs scored and a double. Heading into yesterday, he was hitting 309 with an 865 OPS. He's had a great season for Texas. A lot of players in that lineup have been hitting very well, but he's just another guy who's been producing a ton as of late. Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Jonah Heim, Adolis Garcia. They have a ton of talent in that lineup, and Durant's just another guy that's been getting on base and putting up great stats offensively for that lineup in Texas. So next up is the Atlanta Braves. They were down 5 to nothing heading into the bottom of the second inning against the Colorado Rockies. They scored at least one run in the remaining seven innings to win the game 14-6. They were down 5-0, end up winning that game 14-6. The Rangers were down 6-0, end up winning that game 11-7. So it's two major comebacks there. Eddie Rosario for the Braves was hot. He was 3-4 on the day with three runs scored, two home runs, and six RBIs. Michael Harris, the second, was 5-5 with three runs scored, three RBIs, and a home run. For Colorado, Ryan McMahon was phenomenal at the plate. 3 for 4 on the day with 3 RBIs and 2 home runs. He's had a great season for the Rockies, but not many guys in that lineup have stayed healthy. A lot of injuries there for guys like CJ Crone, Chris Bryant, two major injuries there, and obviously they've lost a ton of talent over the last year or two uh, in that lineup, including Trevor Story, just another guy to name that they had in the past. The Red Sox, the next team, they were down 2 to nothing after a two-run home run off the bat of Gleyber Torres on Sunday in the first inning. And then after that, there were three scores innings when the Red Sox scored three runs in the sixth inning. They got two runs in the fifth, three runs in the sixth, then one run in the seventh to win the game 6-2. to two. Big comeback there for the Sox. They're down 2 nothing. end up winning that game 6-2, to two, and actually swept the Yankees three games this past weekend. I'm going to break down that series in just a little bit. Next up, the Mets were down 5-1 to one to the Cardinals, heading into the bottom of the second inning on Sunday. They ended up losing the game 8-7, to seven, but had a pretty good comeback to make the game close. The Cardinals end up getting the win 8-7, though. The Cardinals on the year, just 30-43, and 4-6 and in the last 10 games, and dead last in the NL Central. They're the most disappointing team in baseball this season, I'd say, although they have won three games in a row, so we'll see if that's enough to get them on a hot streak. San Francisco, probably the hottest team in baseball right now, besides the Reds. They've been red hot as of late. The Marlins are another team that that have been red hot. I'm going to talk about them as well. The Angels are red hot too. Uh, but San Francisco, one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, 23-9 over the last 32 games, 21-9 over the last 30, which is the best record in baseball over the last 30 games. They had their first sweep at Dodger Stadium this past weekend. That was their first sweep since August of 2012 at Dodger Stadium. Over this eight-game win streak for them, they've won eight straight. Over this eight-game win streak, they've outscored their opponents 72-26. to 72-26. to That's 46 runs of a positive run differential over the last eight games. And if you look at their comeback on the season, their turnaround, there were seven games under 500 on April 21st. Two months later, on June 20th, today, they're eight games over 500 at 40 and 32. 
So what a miraculous comeback there for the San Francisco Giants. Lamonte Wade has been great for them in that lineup. Nine home runs, 27 RBIs, a 280 batting average, and an 878 OPS. They recently called up top prospect Luis Matos, who is 4 for 16 at the plate with a 250 batting average and two RBIs. They look to continue their hot streak, which, as I said, they have won eight games in a row and have finally found a way to turn their season around after a slow start. Next up, the Los Angeles Angels, who are getting red hot. I think this is the time to buy into the Angels. I think you should buy into the Angels right now. They're the seventh best record in baseball. They're 13 and 7 over the last 20 games, 19 and 11 over the last 30, tied for the fifth best in baseball over the last 30 games with 19 wins and 11 losses over the last 30 games. They're 11 and 3 over the last 14 games, and as I said, right now currently hold the seventh best record in baseball. I'd say buy into the Angels stock right now. I think this team is very capable of making a run in the AL. I am going to the ALCS in my predictions, and I would double down on that yet again. I see this team as a contender. I think at the end of the day, if you look at this team with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, you're always going to have people paying attention and watching games. But if you look at the rest of the guys in that lineup, they're starting to get hot at the right time, and that's why I think this team is capable of making a run in the AL. Obviously, there's still you know a lot of baseball left to be played. There's still a lot of games left to go, but I think this team is very capable of making a run in the AL. Their bullpen's been great. Their lineup's getting hard at the right time. And then if you look at their starting pitching, they have a lot of talent in their starting rotation, even if the numbers do not hold that uh, to be the case. But I do think they are capable of making a run. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout both home it on Sunday against Kansas City. That was the sixth game this season that Otani and Trout home it in the same game. They went back-to-back, actually, in that game. In games where Otani and Trout both home run, they're 6-0, the Angels. So, obviously, when both guys hit a home run, they find ways to win. Shohei has an MLB lead, 24 home runs. Also hitting 300 with a 58 RBIs and a 1015 OPS. Then you look at his numbers on the mound: six and two record on the mound, three two nine ERA with 105 strikeouts and 82 innings pitched. He's been unreal all season, the best player in baseball, and he's reached base safely in 19 straight games with a 15 game hitting streak. Over his last 15 games, 15 game hitting streak, as I said, 446 batting average with nine home runs, 20 RBIs, 11 strikeouts, to 13 walks, with six doubles, a 543 on base percentage, a 1071 slugger percentage, and a 1614 OPS over that 15 game stretch. Mickey Moniak, another guy in that lineup that's been hot, has a hit in eight of his last 10 starts. Over his last eight games, he's hitting 321 with a 643 slugger percentage, a 1010 OPS, two home runs, and eight RBIs. He's been great to see as a breakout candidate in that Angels lineup. Obviously, he was a former first overall pick. He didn't live up to those expectations in Philadelphia, but gets a second life with the Angels and has found himself a new home in that Angels lineup. Even though he has gotten limited playing time, when he does get the opportunity, he does take advantage of it, and that's obviously great to see for a guy that came into the league with high expectations and never really panned out in Philly, now gets another chance in Anaheim and has been making the best of it for the Angels. Next up is Brandon Drury, who's been getting hot as of late as well. On the season, hitting 267 with 12 home runs, 37 RBIs and an 811 OPS. But so far as of late, he has 12 multi hit games in his last 19 games. He has three multi hit games in a row, has a hit in 24 of his last 28 games, and over that 28 game stretch, he has a 318 batting average with five home runs, 15 RBIs, and 921 OPS, which is very impressive. In 15 games in June, he's hitting 333 as a batting average with three home runs, 10 RBIs, and 913 OPS with four doubles. He's been a great add to the Angels lineup this season and a lineup that's really starting to find their footing and a lineup that can be pretty dangerous. Gio Urshela, Hunter Renfro, Mickey Moniak, Anthony Rendon, Brandon Drury, Mike Trout, 
Shohei Otani, Zach Neto. This Angels team can definitely make a run, and obviously they're starting to put things together as of late. They are playing a three-game set against the Los Angeles Dodgers, which starts tonight, the freeway series. The Dodgers have been struggling as of late. They were outscored 29-8 in their series this past weekend against San Francisco. I think they'll wake up. I think they're too talented of a team to not wake up, but their bullpen is definitely a very big worry for them. A 5.04 bullpen ERA on the season, which is the second worst in the MLB. They had a 2.87 bullpen ERA last year, which was the second best in the MLB last season, and now they have the second worst in baseball this season. So obviously they have not really gotten much luck out of their relief pitching, uh, but I do think this team's too good to put things, uh, you know, to not put things together. I think this two-game series means more to the Angels than the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will put things together at some point. They're too good not to. At the end of the day, they're going to still make the playoffs and make a run. I'm not really too worried about them. Even if they lost both games this series, I think they'll be okay. As for the Angels, it would be huge if they could win both games this series just to continue this hot streak and stay on the path they're on. I see them making a run in the AL. Even a split would be good for this Angels team, but if they could find a way to win both games against a team like the Dodgers, that would be huge. So let me break down the pitching matchups really quick. Tonight is Clayton Kershaw on the mound, 8-4 record with a 2.95 ERA and a 1.11 whip on the year. He is on the mound for the Dodgers with Reed Detmers on the mound for the Angels, a 1-5 record with a 4.48 ERA and a 1.46 whip on the year. As for tomorrow, it'll be Shohei Otani on the mound for the Angels. And as for the Dodgers, I'm not too sure who will be starting for them. It could be Emmett Sheehan, who just made his MLB debut this past weekend, for a Boston College pitcher who is a sixth-round pick to the Dodgers in 2021 out of BC. Made his debut this past weekend, didn't even give up a hit. He went six innings, giving up no hits with two walks and three strikeouts. Was very impressive on the mound for the Dodgers and went... Six complete innings, which was very impressive. Uh, was taken out of the game due to his pitch count, but very impressive game there for the young starting pitcher there for the Dodgers. Excited to see him get another opportunity for them. And obviously, in the minor leagues, he was great for the Dodgers this past season. In AA, had just a 1.86 ERA uh, in 10 starts with 88 strikeouts at 53 and a third innings pitched. Obviously, he excelled in AA and made the jump from AA to the MLB rather quickly. He was drafted in 2021 and is already in the MLB now. So, very impressive start to his career, and hopefully, he continues to do big things there for the Dodgers rotation. So, now I'm going to move on and talk about the Red Sox, who just swept the Yankees this past weekend. And then took game one last night against Minnesota. The Red Sox won game one of the series against the Yankees 15-5. to They actually had 13 two-out runs, which was huge. All in all, 13 of their 15 total runs came with two outs. So that's a very impressive night there for the Red Sox on Friday. Tanner Houck unfortunately took a line drive off the cheek in that game and was placed in the 15-day IL. Luckily, he was able to walk off the field, but hopefully he's okay to pitch again soon. Obviously, he was just finding his stride. Same thing with Brian Bayo and Garrett Whitlock. The three young starters in the Red Sox rotation have all been great as of late. So it's tough to see Hope take a ball off the cheekbone, but hopefully he will be okay. He went four innings, giving up four hits, one earned run, and had two strikeouts. Did look very good in the game. Justin Turner had a huge night for the Red Sox on offense. Same thing with Masataki Yoshida. Turner was three for five with two home runs, six RBIs, and a double. Then Masataki Yoshida, four for four with two doubles and three RBIs. Both of those guys had huge games. Then Saturday was rained out, so there was a doubleheader on Sunday, and the Red Sox took both of those games. A 1 o'clock game, the Sox took, and then they also won the Sunday night baseball game as well. Brian Bale looks great in Sunday night baseball. Looked unreal on the mound, going seven innings, giving up just four hits, one earned run, eight strikeouts, and three walks. He's allowed three runs or less in 10 of his last 11 starts for the Red Sox. 11 starts this season. 
He's given up three runs or less in 10 of 11 of them, which is very impressive. This is the second week in a row where the Red Sox were on Sunday Night Baseball, and this is the second week in a row where they had great starting pitching in those games. Brian Bayo got the ball in both those games, started both Sunday Night Baseball games in a row, and looked awesome in both games. As I said on Sunday, went seven innings, giving up four hits, one earned run, eight strikeouts, and three walks, with 102 pitches, improving his record to four and four on the year. Then in last week's Sunday Night Baseball game, he went seven innings, giving up two runs, three hits, three strikeouts, two walks. Both those runs he gave up came off of a bad hop off of second base. Jose Trevino, the Yankees catcher, had a hit off the bat that went up the middle. Kike Hernandez playing second base for the Red Sox. Stood behind the base, waiting for it to bounce over second base. Unfortunately, hit second base, and the Yankees get two runs there with two outs in last Sunday's Sunday Night Baseball game. Other than that, Bayo probably would have given up no runs in that game. So he's looked fantastic two times in a row against the Yankees. Jaron Duran had a ridiculous catch off the bat of Anthony Rizzo in the triangle at Fenway Park on Sunday. Huge, huge play. It was a 1-1 game in the third inning with a runner on second base. Jaron Duran found the ball, tracked it very well, and had a great basket catch right there in the triangle against the wall. His defense has heavily improved this year. He looks like a different player offensively and defensively. In that game, he was 1-3 with a walk and a run scored. Adding that ridiculous highlight reel catch. Great to see him making the strides he's made this year. And obviously everybody knows that I'm a big fan of him. And I predicted him having a great season this year. And it's obviously great to see him do the great things he's done this season with all of the pressure and all of the criticism that he faced last season. So now I'm going to look at the Red Sox, how they've played overall on the season. Currently the 38-35 right now winning five games in a row. They're 13-11 on the year in their division against the AL East. But they have 12-4 against teams in the AL East not named the Rays. So obviously the Rays having a problem with the Red Sox. Right now the Rays right now have the Red Sox number. The Red Sox are 1-7 against the Rays on the year. But take the Rays out of the question. The Red Sox are 12-4 against the AL East, which is great to see for a team that struggled heavily in this division last year. And obviously less division games has helped the Red Sox heavily. And that's a big reason right now they've won five in a row in the 38-35 on the season. That's huge to see, obviously. And not many people expected this Red Sox team to perform better in the AL East. I thought they'd perform a little bit better than the AL East considering there's less games. So now you can't get hurt as much by divisional games. But also at the same time, there is less of an advantage because in order to win the division now, you kind of have to win those games in your division. Since there's less opportunities, you kind of have to win as many games as you can now in your division since you don't have more games to rely on like you did last year in India's past. So overall in the Red Sox season, that 38-35 winning five in a row. They beat Minnesota last night with exceptional games from James Paxton, Alex Verdugo, Jaron Duran, and Tristan Casas. Paxton was great on the mound, six and a third innings pitched, giving up three hits, three earned runs. His three earned runs came off of a three-run home run from Christian Vasquez from a Red Sox catcher. That was his first home run of the season. Paxton added in seven strikeouts and a walk. Jaron Duran was electric in the game, three for three with three doubles, two RBIs, and then was taken out of the game for Rob Refsnyder who came in to face a left-handed reliever. Ref Snyder ended up walking, and then Alex Verdugo hit a triple in the sixth inning right after Ref Snyder walked, scoring three runs and making it a 6-3 to three ball game for the Sox. Tristan Costas had a huge game, 2-5 for five with two hits and a two-run home run. He's looked a lot better at the plate as of late. Alex Verdugo had a bases-clearing triple that I just mentioned. He was 2-4 for four with three RBIs. And then last up is Pablo Reyes, who was 2-for-3 in the game with three runs scored and a walk. He was 3-for-4 on base in his four plate appearances. And if you do watch the games, you do see he's a heavy upgrade defensively over Kike Hernandez at shortstop. So it's obviously good to see him getting on base and also making plays at short there for the Sox. Alex Verdugo on the year is sitting at 3.03 for a batting average with five home runs and an 8.44 OPS. 
He's reached base safely in 14 straight games, which is very impressive. Has a 10-game hit streak heading into tonight with a 395 batting average over those 10 games with a 447 a base percentage, a 1005 OPS, five doubles, and seven RBIs over the 10-game stretch with five multi-hit games in a row. As for Tristan Costas, he has eight home runs on the year for a 215 batting average and a 730 OPS. He's looked a lot better at the plate as of late. He's only 23 years old, and hopefully he will keep improving. I know a lot of people have been impatient with him at the plate, and understandably so. Obviously, you don't want to see a guy that's been getting up there and struggling and make the same mistakes, but sometimes it's growing pains. As we see with Jaron Duran, he was a much different hitter last year at the plate. Jaron Duran, he was called up last season. He was called up two years ago, but when he was called up last season, he came up and was very hot to start the year and then kind of cooled off. And then this year, similar startup, very hot, had a little bit of a cold stretch, and now he's getting back to finding his footing again. Same thing with Tristan Costas. You've got to give him at-bats, give him opportunities to try to figure things out. Obviously, at the same time, you still want to compete and win games, but you do also develop the young talent at the same time. And Costas has looked better at the plate in his last 15 games, two home runs, eight RBIs, with a 313 batting average, a 563 slugging percentage, a 1003 OPS, with four doubles and a triple over the last 15 games. That's pretty impressive. A 313 batting average and a 563 slugging percentage with two home runs over his last 15 games. You'll take that any day. As a Jaron Duran on the season, he's at 300 for a batting average with an 827 OPS, three home runs, and 26 RBIs. Over his last 12 games, he's 12 for 28 for a 429 batting average with a 643 slugging percentage, 1143 OPS, six doubles, four stolen bases, and four strikeouts of four walks over the last 12 games. It's a pretty good 12-game stretch. 643 slugging percentage, 429 batting average, and 1143 OPS with six doubles over the last 12 games, four stone bases with four strikes or four walks. You'll take that anytime with Jaron Duran. Obviously, it's great to see him do the great things he's done this season. And then Cutter Crawford will be on the mound for the Sox tonight. So now I'm going to move on to the next team. We can talk about the Miami Marlins really quick. They had 10 games over 500 for the first time since 2011. Now they are 11 games over. They did win last night as well. They have the sixth best record in the MLB. They are 15-5 over the last 20 games, which is tied for best in baseball. They're 20-10 over the last 30 games, which is tied for second in baseball. This team has excelled in, in one-run ball games, close ball games. They are starting to win. Last year, they struggled with that. This year, they have looked great in that regard. They're 18-5 on the year, 18 wins and five losses in one-run games. The best win percentage in the MLB in one-run games and the most one-run wins. So very impressive there for the Marlins. As for who's been getting it done for them, Luis Arise has been great at the dish. He had his third five-hit game of the season last night, his second in the last three games. The Marlins end up blowing out the Blue Jays last night in their series opener, 11 to nothing. Now Arise is back to 400 for his on-base percentage. And if he were to do it this season, end the season with a 400 on-base percentage, which is honestly a very much great possibility to happen, he'd be the first hitter in the AL or NL to hit 400 since Ted Williams hit 400 in the 1941 season. In 1941, Ted Williams hit 406. Arise would be the first one to do so in the AL or NL since Ted Williams did it in 1941, which would be very impressive. As for Arise overall on the season, 400 batting average, a 450 on base percentage with a 941 OPS, 15 strikeouts with 21 walks, and 15 doubles. He's the same amount of doubles as he has strikeouts on the year and has six more walks than strikeouts this season, which is obviously a crazy stat. But obviously, if you look at what he's done at the plate, he's a very patient hitter, and he's great at getting the bat to the ball and breaking balls and fastballs. You can't get the ball by him. He's just that great of a hitter. So obviously, he's been able to do great things for the Marlins. And that was a trade that I talked about on my radio show when it happened in the offseason. I said it could be a win-win for both teams. 
The Marlins need another hitter in that lineup, and the Twins need starting pitching. And at the end of the day, it seemed like both teams could have used that move. Next up, I want to talk about Jorge Soler. 21 home runs on the season. He hit his 21st home run last night, hitting 260 with a 923 OPS. He's a hit in eight of his last nine games, and over that nine-game stretch, he has a 429 batting average and 893 slugging percentage with a 1488 OPS, four home runs, nine RBIs, and four strikeouts to 12 walks over his last nine games. Four strikeouts to 12 walks over his last nine games. He's seeing the ball very well as of late, and this is my pick, actually, to win the home run champion, the home run king in the MLB. This is my offseason prediction, even though I didn't get to record the episode yet, which I've mentioned now probably 100 times. I do want to give a whole breakdown of that spreadsheet that I had of all my predictions for the MLB this season. Hopefully, I'll do that one day soon. But I did have Jorge Soler leading the MLB in home runs, and he had his 21st home run of the season last night. Right now, I believe he sits in the top three, which is very impressive, next to Shohei Otani and Pete Alonso. So now moving on, I'm going to talk about America's team, the Cincinnati Reds, who are 38-35 on the year. They currently sit first in the NL Central and have won nine games in a row. Their first time winning eight games in a row since 2012, and now they've won nine in a row, which is very much impressive. They are 19-8 over the last 27 games. They were 19-27 through May 21st, and in their last 27 games since that day, they are 19-8. They are 14-6 over the last 20 games. Tied for the third best record in baseball over the last 20. And they are 19-11 and over the last 30 games, which is fifth best in the MLB over the last 30 games. Rookie phenom Ellie De La Cruz has been electric for them at the dish. 271 batting average with a 417 slugging percentage, a 769 OPS, a home run, and also six stolen bases in six attempts. The Reds are 11-2 since he made his debut for Cincinnati. Joey Valder returned to the lineup for the first time since August 2022. Last night, he was 2-4 for four with a home run, three RBIs, and a walk. He's turning 40 years old in September, and this was his first game of the season. And he showed that he still is a great hitter at the plate. Last night, going 2-4 for four with the home run and three RBIs and a walk. 3-5 for five in his five plate appearances on base, which is very impressive. Rookie Matt McClain has been crushing it for Cincinnati at the plate. 317 batting average with three home runs, 15 RBIs, and an 867 OPS. The Cincinnati Reds have finally figured things out. This is a team that would try to compete up until June every single year in July, and they would just trade expiring contracts like Tommy Pham, like Luis Castillo, like Brandon Drury. They found ways to get rid of guys at the trade deadline every single year when they weren't competing, and now things are different for this Reds team. They're a young team and an exciting team to watch. Obviously great to see them doing what they are doing right now. Next up, the next team to talk about, is the Houston Astros. They've lost five games in a row, their longest losing streak since losing six games in a row just a couple years ago now in April 2021. This is their longest losing streak since April 2021, which is nuts. They have had a ton of injuries, though. Luis Garcia got Tommy John surgery. Lance McCowes is on the 60-day IL. And then Jose Urquidy is on the 15-day IL. So tough to see three of their best pitches go down with injuries. And then obviously they lost Justin Verlander in the offseason in free agency. So they haven't really had much luck there for the starting rotation. As for the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Astros, all three teams were World Series favorites heading into this year. And they all sit at third in their respective divisions and are all at least four and a half games back of first place in their respective divisions. The Yankees are 10 and a half games back in the AL East. The Astros are six and a half games back of the Texas Rangers, and the Dodgers are four and a half games back of the first place Arizona Diamondbacks, which is nuts to see. All three teams currently sit at 39 wins right now. The Dodgers and the Yankees are 39 and 33 apiece, and then the Astros have one more loss. They are 39 and 34. Still a ton of games left to wake up, 
But it's crazy to see three heavy World Series favorites in the Yankees, Dodgers, and Astros all sit at 39 wins at this point in the season and are all in third place in their respective divisions. And then another team, the New York Mets, who currently sit at 34-38 and and are 12 games back of the Atlanta Braves right now in the NL East. So there's a lot of time left for these four World Series favorites to wake up, the Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, and Mets. Who do I have the most confidence in to wake up? I'll say the Dodgers first, and then I'm going to go with the Astros, and then I'll say the Mets, then the Yankees. I think the Aaron Judge injury is tough for the Yankees. Obviously, they aren't hitting as well as they typically do with Aaron Judge in the lineup, and guys like Anthony Rizzo and Josh Jonathan aren't getting it done for them in that hot of the lineup, trying to pick up the slack that they have to pick up without Aaron Judge in that lineup. And then as for the Astros, I think they'll figure out at some point they'll get their health and, and start to put things back together. As for the Dodgers, I think they're too good of a team to struggle like they are right now. Obviously, the bullpen has been an issue for them, but I think they'll make moves at some point to figure out that bullpen and try to get themselves back in contention. And then for the Mets, maybe it's just wishful thinking and me just hoping that they figure things out, but I want the Mets to get themselves back on track. This team spent way too much money, and also they have too much talent to be in the position they're in right now. So hopefully they figure things out. And one thing that these teams can use for some confidence right now is that there's still so much time in the season left to get back on track. Right now, the Mets, as I said, are four games under 534 and 38. If you look at the Philadelphia Phillies last year at this point, last year on June 21st, they were 36 and 33. Three games over 500, and they found a way to get back on track and flip their season around completely. And obviously a big reason they were, they were able to flip their season around was the, obviously the offense getting very hot in August. They were 18-11 in August. They were 19-8 in June, 15-10 in July. That was obviously a big stretch in the season there, June, July, and August. That got the Phillies to where they got to in the playoffs. Obviously, this turning point was June. They were 19-8 in June. After being 10-18 in May and 11-11 in April, they were 19-8 in June, 15-10 in July, and 18-11 in August. Still a lot of the season left to figure things out for the Mets. And this Phillies team last year, they were 11-14 in September. 11-14 in September. So you want to be playing your best baseball by the end of the season. And a team that was 11-14 in September last year found a way to get very, very hot in the playoffs like they were in July and August and made it to the World Series. So the Mets can figure things out. I still have confidence in them to do so. It's same thing with the Dodgers. We will see what happens. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.